Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. Welcome back, everyone. We are once again just waiting for Rhythm of War to come out. And we have a special guest with us today, our first podcast guest, and also my first non-family Cosmere baby, Angie. Hey, Angie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It is always great to have real Cosmere friends. That IRL. You- exactly. And Angie was our first, Brooke's first, everyone's first. It is now the point where we've gotten to many years have gone by since the first introduction uh, of the Cosmere to Angie's life. And you are now all caught up. Isn't that right, Angie? I am a full-fledged Cosmere adult now. (laughs) I'm so proud. And I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, because now is the good time when you can just speculate wildly and inaccurately and just making all the possible Cosmere mistakes. I'm so excited to just unleash you onto the copper mind and the podcast and all of the things that you can engage with now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Believe me, as soon as I finished Oathbringer, I was like, it's time to hit the wiki at long last. (laughs) That is probably the greatest thing about the reread or the rewatch of you know your favorite shows when they have a wiki that you can follow along or all those questions that come up there's actually the availability on kindle to download a cosmere dictionary and then you can highlight words and it will give you the copper mind on your kindle just for anyone angie included that's amazing Technology. It's uh, pretty dang cool. And we want to start everyone out there. We are obviously trying something new here with inviting a guest. And if the audio quality is not up to your standards, that (laughs) is so sad and we feel really bad for you. However, for everyone else who's here for the conversation, thanks. That's my one (laughs) caveat on this whole episode. Let's start with a brief Angie introduction Angie, what is sort of your path to your Cosmere fandom? What other authors, books, fandoms have you been a part of previously? Oh, man. Probably off the top of my head, I'm probably the biggest in the Lord of the Rings fandom. Oh, nice. Um, Because you give me an extended lore, all that world building, and I will go to town. And that's probably how you roped me into the Cosmere so easily. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to say that's like the perfect groundwork for a Cosmere fan. (laughs) Yeah, when you were like, oh, it'll take you, you know, years to get through this. (laughs) And there's just scads of knowledge everywhere. And here's all these obscure, you know, snippets from the author that mean all of these, you know, important things. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is my jam. (laughs) And I think that where... Lord of the Rings, obviously, for basically everyone alive, is something that you came to as a fandom had already like existed for a while, but it was always like in the background. Brandon's Cosmere Universe is in the middle of building a huge and massive 
fandom, it's so cool to like... Yeah, it's like an alive thing. Yes, exactly. Yes. Compared to something that we're either revisiting because of the movies. I know Angie is around the same age as us. So it's, you know, I'm guessing that those movies may have been a uh, part of the initial uh, offering of Lord of the Rings or were you it's a possible. book first? <laughs> no, I was definitely movie first, but it has grown since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wonderful, I mean, any way that you can get into a fandom or fantasy story, I think is a, a cool way to get there. For the Cosmere specifically, though, I really liked the opportunity or thought it would be a cool opportunity to hear from someone who was fresh and had just you know finished up a first read through i've got to say watching someone discover the cosmere for the first time is almost as good as reading the cosmere yourself (laughs) getting those text messages uh about (laughs) what's going on who is this person what does this mean all of the type of crazy moments of both happiness and sadness to be experienced yeah, all the reaction shots, basically, That's, via text. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of, it's two years worth of, Brooke, if this character dies, I'm going to riot. For you, it's been a journey. Yeah, and that is what we're all about here, the journey before the destination. I guess we're going to focus a lot on Rhythm of War and Rashar specifically as we talk about what we are hoping for, what we're waiting for, what we're on the edge of our seat for when it comes to Rhythm of War. But before we just dive all into our Risharian mysteries, Angie, across the entire Cosmere, do you have a favorite character or individual that uh, you really like that doesn't exist on Rashar? So we'll kind of leave off just Rashar, talk about later, but anything else in the Cosmere? I'm a big fan of Vin, honestly. Like, just her struggle and her, you know, just kind of rise from nothing Hmm. to just being everything. I don't know. She just resonated with me a lot. And because you have gone through Mistborn Era 2 as well, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you like the way that Mistborn Era 2 has, like, paid homage to Vin or kind of the way that her myth has developed over time she was like deified yeah kind of or um was that did that kind of take you aback when you first read it uh, i mean that was probably over a year ago <laughs> since yeah. i've gotcha. read era two but i think i think i remember liking it and being okay with it i love that they use her as a symbol of like the ideal qualities of a woman which includes like being super strong and like fighting back and you know all of her really strong qualities i love that they incorporate that into their societal idea of like the perfect woman that's right yes that was fantastic yeah yeah i thought that marasi exemplified that best Mm -hmm. i think and believe she said she was inspired by a combination of like vin Mm -hmm. and then wax um to go and follow her path in law enforcement yeah and it's like because of vin they sort of have an underlying societal rule that like women have to be allowed to do everything basically because Mm -hmm. the ascendant warrior who came before was a badass (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really cool, too, because 
There has been a lot of studies recently that focus on this idea of examples in society and like the more exposure you have to examples in society that reflect a person like you. So if you're a woman and you see a woman succeeding, you know, Vin did a little bit more than succeeding, but just like inventions, politicians, CEOs, anytime you see someone like you succeeding, that then, then provides you or the more exposure, the more likely a person is to then follow in their footsteps, basically. Yeah. And so it's been shown across groups, across ethnicities, across um, all different types of cultures, when you have examples of success, that is hugely beneficial. And I love that idea that Vin is now the example of success and the example of like what is possible for everyone, including you know young women on the streets. Okay, let's dive back into Rashar because we are, as Tyler said last episode, days. Always days. <laughs> away from Rhythm of War. And we are fresh off of our reread. So we have plenty of ideas of the kinds of things that we are really excited to see more of. And we want to bring in Angie and kind of start because you have finished the most recently. Congratulations on a complete Cosmere read, by the way. I feel Thank like you. we should get badges or <laughs> some type of trophies like you do in a video game, just like success. Obviously, you should get a Chicken Scout patch. I agree. Either that or like an Xbox, you know, achievement, something yeah. I can slap on my profiles. <laughs> I need to be able to share that on LinkedIn so I can get all the possible points. Yes. So, Angie... Having just completed a Cosmere read, what is the thing that you are waiting for or most excited for when it comes to Rhythm of War? Oh, most excited for. Honestly, I'm really excited to see where Adolin's relationship with his sword mm, goes. I don't know what I hope for more. Like, on one hand, I want, you know, Adolin to you know, resurrect her somehow Mm -hmm. or, but on the other, I'm just like, I like the fact that Adolin's normal and I kind of don't want him to be a night radiant. Yeah, exactly. I've been saying that for years. I love that he is sort of the normal one because he has a lot of other things going for him. And I think that his storyline of, especially an Oathbringer of kind of being like, man, I guess I'm not that special anymore because everyone else has superpowers and like, I'm just a prince. (laughs) I think that's really um, compelling and relatable, right? Like there have all, I'm sure we've all had times in our lives when we have looked around and been like, wow, all my friends are like so awesome. And I don't know if I'm as cool as they are or whatever. Yeah. Constantly comparing yourself to the people, the family, anyone around you. Mm -hmm. And for me, when it comes to Adolin, I think that I agree with both of you. Don't really want him to become a radiant, but I think his bond, like Angie said, with Maya is really important to understanding something that we currently don't about the way that the mm-hmm. radiance or the way that in the past things went down or what is possible in the future. So like maybe yeah. he does have the ability to resurrect in some way maya or reconnect her in some way but then he still doesn't become 
a radiant as we understand them currently. Yeah, yeah it would be cool true. if maybe some of the rules following shard blades like didn't apply to him anymore. Like maybe now he can always uh, summon his shard blade in less than ten heartbeats, or that like Maya becomes slightly more cognizant and he can like hear her in his mind but maybe his sword still can't turn into whatever like a sill blade yeah locked in its kind of physical state uh-huh. in in that way yeah that would i mean i i don't really know what is possible or what brandon has like in store for us but i do think that that relationship with maya was introduced for a very specific reason. That's what I'm like mm. trusting in Brandon that he wasn't just doing that to like, oh, this is kind of a cool character or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's got to be a specific purpose. So Maya represents something and absolutely, it's definitely like one of the key things that I'm excited about that was introduced last uh, book. What about you, Tyler? What are you most excited? Well, I think we know what you're most excited to see in Rhythm of War because you <laughs> won't stop talking about Yasna being queen. I may have mentioned it once or twice or a thousand times. <laughs> I believe it led to this episode and just to make it to lay everything out on the table, not just Yasna, but all the great things. I was most intrigued last reread by the fact that Yasna had some traumatic event where she was imprisoned or kept away for a while, um, kind of got like insane asylum vibes. Yeah, it sounds like an insane asylum, and they refer to like Yasna's illness. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is the thing that I missed on multiple reads as being significant and then just caught on the third or whatever. There's read just three. so much happening. I caught it the first time, but I definitely forgot about it by the time I got to the end of the book. (laughs) Yeah, I caught it and immediately let it go and then forgot about it. (laughs) Yeah. That is probably the thing that I have expressed the most. Brooke, what about you? What is what you would like to talk more about and are excited about? Well, I'm actually going to send it over to Angie because Angie has some thoughts about Queen Yasna. Oh, okay. I have many thoughts about Queen Yasna. (laughs) Like... I'm slightly concerned, not really, because I know Brandon is amazing and I'm sure he wouldn't do this to us. But the fact that Amaram is dead makes me a little scared that Yasta's past is going to get dropped off because mm. I got the vibe that he was involved with it. Oh. Hmm. But I'm more concerned with the fact that Yasna's solution to everything is to hire an assassin or kill them herself. Yeah, be incredibly like ruthlessly efficient with the her problems although i mean they are in like an epic war so maybe you need a a ruthless ruler at this point you know like she's not very true maybe not a peacetime queen but like for a wartime queen she might be just the lady for the job (laughs) i have absolutely nothing to base it on but i would bet that if yasna's gonna start hiring people to kill other people mr t our, our buddy Teravangian out there mm. is going to be her number one target. And I apologize in advance. I am solely audiobook. So my pronunciations all come from there. Well, we're big fans of the readings. Readings. I can't even say their name correctly. But uh, <laughs> Michael 
and Kate Redding. There it is. They're both amazing. And I'm pretty sure they get pronunciation guides. So you probably have more correct pronunciation than we do because we do like a hybrid audiobook, regular Kindle book. (laughs) Oh, cool. Exactly. When we can't we have to take the dog on a walk or something. We have to throw it over to the audiobook. But yeah. then I think <laughs> it both, allows us to never stop reading, <laughs> which is our goal. And it's how we get through the pandemics. I think that's such a good call, though, that Yasta might have Teravangian killed because we know that she has like a network of spies that she's already kind of suspicious of Teravangian or she has her eye on him. So that's a great call. Yeah, great hot take. And uh, we will refer back to you if uh, that ends up being the (laughs) truth when it comes to Rhythm of War. There are so many, so many things that I can't wait to see more of. I am fascinated with Amia and the Amians, and I really want to see more of both the place and all of the Amian people question mark don't know if they're actually people but entities yeah all of the amian entities and more about them and like what the history is why was it scourge what is like the history of uh soul casters there what's going on there now because it's all like protected and shrouded and like what mysteries are on amia i need to know my pet theory is that everything there is just totally awesome that they invented <laughs> a kind of protective shroud of mist or something, oh. and that they spread stories about like a dangerous plague and all the bad stuff that happened in Amia. But really, it's like yeah. a Wakanda of Rashar, where it's like Ooh. it's a very maybe not excellent city because they're all kind of you know struggling with high storms all the time and ever storms and whatnot. They have problems, but I'm <laughs> I'm going to Amia is actually like secretly doing. A-OK and has been building up a, a large resistance force in anticipation for this final desolation. I think that's a really good call. I think that they're doing OK. And like you said, sort of stories have been spread like, oh, you can't go to Amia. It's totally destroyed. But it's actually like kind of sweet. That'd be really cool. I kind of hope it plays out like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if you imagine Soulcasters, the actual mechanical device, uh-huh. not someone like Yasna, but the Artifabrians are could be basically having like a, a great renaissance in Amia. And if the Shroud is based on Soulcasters and they could have that being applied to technology as well, where like a whole bunch of the cool devices that Navani is inventing could already exist or something similar could exist in Amia. Yeah, because I think based on the text, you used to only be able to get soul casters in Amia. No one, like, you can't build a soul caster now. All the soul casters in existence were already made and, like, like obtained. Yeah, Amia is, like, the birthplace-ish of Fabrials. So, like, why and how and what and, like, why? Thanks, Chidi. The, <laughs> my Wakanda call is basically what Amia is. Yeah. That's where, that's the 
new name for it. Everyone's welcome to use that. And we know uh, from Brandon, from our Words of Brandon podcast episode that we just did, there's going to be a lot more about the Fabrial science in Rhythm of War, which I can't wait for. Let's go back to Angie, this question that's hanging over all of us. Who is Brandon going to kill next? After the death of King Elicar, it seems like many people are on the chopping block. Anybody could be the next person. I definitely, like, I don't want it to be a main character, but I feel that could definitely be, you know, where we're headed. I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping, quote, quote, for more of a secondary character. I'm getting kind of some vibes that it might be Teft as oh. much as I don't want it to be. He's just, they're kind of doing the same thing that he did with like Elicar in Oathbringer where it's like, oh, oh look at this character. Oh, they're going to come back. Look how they're, you know, improving their lives. Just mm -hmm. kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be a stab right to the heart. Oh, yeah. I do. I think that Dalinar is gonna die by the end of book five i think and i kind of see it as a possible like a sean bean character in, or why don't i use his real name ned stark in game of thrones where his you... real name is his character name <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that makes sense everyone listening to the podcast understood exactly what they like don't say sean bean uh when ned stark <laughs> is set up as your main figure, very similar in many ways to Dalinar. What if they both go out, not at the first book, obviously, but in this first series of books, Dalinar yeah, goes out think... uh, towards the end of either book four or in book five. Yeah, because Dalinar obviously is one of the older characters in the books, and you kind of have all of these young characters coming up and especially for a series that's going to cover so much time mm -hmm. and the time gap in between the two parts of the Stormlight Archive, I just think like he's got to die so that there's room for more character mm -hmm. growth for all of those younger characters to kind of like come up, take control, figure out their place in, you know, the world without all of the adults because they're the adults now. That is so true. I'm a little afraid now that you've brought up the Dalinar could be the one to go that this could be like a Dumbledore situation yeah. where he's oh. ripped away a book early. No. Mm -hmm. And that leaves, you know, Kaladin, I would assume, to maybe step up. It could be Yasna too, but she's got, you know, Alethkar to worry about now. Yeah, I would maybe even suggest if we're just fully playing this theory out that Navani steps up, but not with the Stormfather and instead bonds the sibling Ooh. as the so that as they're can yeah that she can become a bondsmith but again that's just to fully play out the theory hmm. well, I love wildly speculating yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing that i really hope that we get more of in rhythm of war the sibling because again what how why huh who yeah everything Let's go to everyone's favorite not a dragon question mark. Ooh, yes, cheery, cheery. Either in Dawn Shard or in Rhythm of War or both, I would really love if we can pinpoint if cheery, cheery is actually a dragon per my theory. 
Because we know the dragons exist in the Cosmere. Yes. Not just as like something that looks like a dragon, but that has been referenced as a dragon. So it's fit in all your smog-like renderings of what a dragon could be. And they're super old. They're super powerful. As far as we know, they were locked on either Yolen or one of the early planets that Brandon hasn't really written all that much about. But Chiri Chiri definitely has all the markings of a dragon. She has a lot of dragon-like qualities. But just feeds off of Stormlight. And void light. All light. Investiture. Investiture. Yeah. Hmm. Did you catch that, Angie? When you... I, I mean... She's like, I read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I read it. There was a lot going on at the end of the book. Yeah, I don't know if you so remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. A second read uh, will be good. <laughs> Take it from I us. never even, like, fathomed the possibility that Cherry Cherry could be a dragon She's just sort of like a little crab beetle thing in my brain right mm-hmm. now. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I'm all for dragons. The more dragons we have in things, the better. <laughs> when you read it again, just like keep that in your brain. Definitely. And at least as of right now, that Don Shard copy has not made its way to our awaiting Kindle. So not yet. There might be. Be a Don Shard episode before Rhythm of War, there might not. And there might, uh, we'll just have to keep waiting. Yeah, on, fingers on fingers are crossed. Tyler, what else are you looking forward to besides Yasna? You can't talk about Yasna anymore. <laughs> Let's expand it slightly outward. <laughs> just slightly. And look at the Knights Radiant because I think we have been following these characters and kind of seeing how they develop their powers. But in book four, certainly in book five, we are going to have more like full orders of Knights Radiant, possibly with many members Mm. in each order. And so there could be a competing Windrunner faction to Kaladin. Probably unlikely, but there probably is likely that there is a competing faction for influence and power another one of the orders maybe that's a Dustbringers. that's a vibe i kind of got from malata um mm. currently that she is setting up the potential to be like a adversary to our main crew in some ways but i'm basically just wondering like how all these different radiant orders will work how different people will work in them the windrunners are definitely more militaristic but are some other orders just going to be kind of like laissez-faire with things? They'll just be like, hey, man, you you be you. You know, you you chill, do whatever you want. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what I'm excited to see. Go ahead, Angie. Oh, I was just saying, eat some pancakes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when we went through all of the descriptions of the orders that came out with the Stormlight Archive game, it certainly detailed that there are orders that operate more in a group setting and like some orders their ideals are literally like be independent (laughs) so (laughs) i don't think they're going to be banding up in groups anytime soon and then how will that play out you know are you going to have all these like individual operators with superpowers running around the broader war maybe do some become like mercenaries and they just like go to whoever is hired be like we need investiture and we don't really care if it's void light or uh, stormlight. Well, I don't think Knights Radiant can use void light. Well, that's my next thing that I am questioning about. That's what you- 
but we'll save that until we go through another round of everyone else. Well, that's real rampant speculation. <laughs> Just wait for it, though, because okay. there's something backing it. Okay. Um, are we back to Angie? Yes. Okay, next thing. Angie, what do you think about Venley? Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I was going to ask. So you got some Venley thoughts and queries. What are they? I just, I have no idea where Venley's going. I mean, she's a Knight's Radiant now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she has. She is both a Surge Binder and a Void void Binder. binder? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. um, Apparently, you can do both. I just, I'm wondering if she would maybe be the next, like, Bondsmith. Mm. I don't know how that would play out now, but I was thinking, okay, maybe she bonds with the sibling, you know. I have nothing to back it up. That's just kind of throwing characters in situations. Yeah, because Venli, obviously of the Knight's Radiant that we know of so far, she's unique because she's Parshendi and she has a gem heart. Mm -hmm. So I think... Like, to me, that is probably the thing that enables her to have both. I don't think just a random human could bond to Spren. I don't think so either. But we did go over this in our word of Brandon that specific resonance points would exist oh. between people using if they two were different... holding an honor blade. Yes. But yeah. I just see resonance points as special manifestations of power that exist between two other powers Mm -hmm. and so if venley is both Mm -hmm. a void binder and a surge binder then in betwixt those two things i just try to get in betwixt into as many conversations (laughs) as possible uh but in between those two things there should be a uniquely venley resonance point but i wonder if it actually works like that or if she if it's like an on off switch if she's either a light or dark and like can she access the void spren like without being completely taken over or if she accesses the void spren at all does she immediately like come under odium's power i believe that one of the things that was mentioned very briefly or slightly is that there was a little bit of like control that the light spren had um over yeah. the void spren it kind of like imprisons it kind of yeah. or so it seems like maybe the light spren like holds back the void spren uh-huh. in the gem heart. And the question is, can Venley then access those things simultaneously or independently? I think it's a definitely an interesting question and plays back into what I was asking about before or talking about before is like, this is where all the crazy stuff can happen, like in Mistborn Era 2, where you can just start getting combinations that you don't quite mm-hmm. understand or didn't realize could exist. And then what becomes possible is, you know, space flight or something like that. And I think this kind of speaks to your question or like something you're looking forward to, Tyler, about will any of our existing Knights Radiant swear their fifth ideal? And I'm kind of thinking, no, I think we're going to see a much slower progression of Knights Radiant through their ideals um, and just like more development of where they are right now in addition to more development of like the world in general politically and socially yeah i think that that question because it's important to remember that nail says not many of the skybreakers swear their fifth ideal and if we 
carry that across many of the other orders it's that it's just a rarity to swear a fifth ideal i could see a lot of people topping out but then i in a way could see you know a character like dalinar maybe advancing very quickly um to mm. a fifth ideal state maybe right before a sacrifice or like setting up a <gasps> sacrifice or something don't like that. that don't say that but uh yeah i think that just like the question of what happens with multiple powers working in a single person like Venley. The other thing that we have a big question mark is what happens, you know, beyond a fourth ideal, because it's got to be another power up. We always see that. Um, but as far as we know, you get like, you get control yeah, like of play. How par- powerful can you get? <laughs> exactly. Like what is the, the power? Like Kaladin seems pretty powerful already. He's very close to Superman. Um, and in the current <laughs> state, and he still has one more, two more. Well, he still has. That's what I'm saying. We kind of assume that everyone can get to the fourth ideal, but that very but few people struggle. will get to the fifth. Yeah, that's what Kaladin showing towards the end of Oathbringer and into Rhythm of War. So, like, I expect a power up from many of our main characters, but I would not be overly surprised if I saw one do like a, a leapfrog type of situation where they go into four and then into five oh. just in one book. All right. Not everyone, just one. That's my call. Well, on Ooh. the Kaladin train, I am very interested to see if he gets a love interest because like at the end of Oathbringer where Syl is kind of like, you know, you could like open up your heart to people and find a nice girl. I kind of feel like, Kaladin, you've come so far. Like, you could you could take the next step and and get a nice lady friend or man friend, maybe. I think he's into ladies, though. He had previous relationships with a female. That's true. We know that for certain. What do you think about this, Angie? Love interest for Kaladin. Uh, well, I saw my absolute favorite comment that I've ever seen online the other day. And it was that Tara from... Kaladin's past is actually our main man, Tara Vangian. There it is. The real deep polls. But as much as I would die if that happened, I would just, it would be absolutely incredible. I don't know. I could see the actual Tara coming back. Oh. Or interacting somehow. Maybe she dies because that just seems Kaladin's yeah. everyone's favorite punching bag. I don't know. Uh, Part of me feels like Vale might come out and kind of do some self-sabotage wedding shenanigans. Interesting. We've seen that, you know, Shalon's not great at controlling her multiple personalities. And, you know, right now, sure, everyone's, Mm -hmm. you know, she's explained that, hey, Adolin is the one we're going with. And they agree. But we've also seen how, you know, that's turned out for her in the past. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how Shalon's storyline develops. I have so many questions about <laughs> what is going on with her and like how she moves forward from where she ends in Oathbringer, both like in her relationship with Adolin, also just like her she has so she's undertaken so many endeavors already like she's the ghost a spy bloods, yeah. yeah the ghost bloods her brothers are back but also like at some point she was a scholar 
And she seemed to like it. So, like, is she going to go back to that? And she's got her art. She's hanging out with Sabario and, like, doing his camp running stuff. Well, I'm sure she's not doing that anymore because she's, like, wifey to Adolin. I think she just has a whole bunch of balls that she's been juggling for these last books. Um, And it's going to be a huge question of, like, how do all of those things get resolved? Yeah. She's got some work to do. Long to-do list, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) As far as Kaladin goes, I think he is in an interesting position, but I don't think that personal relationship satisfaction is in his future. (laughs) I would not bet on that uh, for our main man. Maybe that's what he needs to help him move on to the next ideal, though. That could be an aspect, and I could kind of see that. Or where you're coming from with that Ooh, thought. But also, on the other end, maybe it's actually, like, learning to be by himself and, like, honor his own soul. And, like, Kaladin, you don't always have to do everything for everyone else. Sometimes you can just do something for you. Kaladin needs to learn some self-care. Maybe that's how he gets to the fourth ideal. I think Rock just needs to take him up to the Horn Eater Peaks for a spa day and just a, <laughs> just a hot soak. And that would just soothe a lot, you know? I don't think that's going to go very well because the Horn Eater Peaks have been taken over. That is true. There's something bad going on on the Horn Eater Peaks. But I do, I wouldn't bet on personal satisfaction for Kaladin. Um, Like Angie said, he's everybody's favorite punching bag at this moment. And I think that's going to be the case in kind of like a, not to always go back to Game of Thrones or some other book series, just like we always fall back on. However, there's like a a Jon Snow-esque aspect to him mm. of just like he's a little bit one note because everything around him or you're like following him on the journey. And so I could I know, see that's development. What I'm, saying. I'm hoping for some character development. He's already come quite far. It could totally happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just my bet would be on he gets a little bit more like connected to the group and the soldiers that are becoming not bridge four but the wind runners and he just kind of shines in that role rather Mm. than having some personal satisfaction boring i know it's not the most (laughs) exciting of things but we have shallan with literally three competing (laughs) versions of all the drama yeah i guess that is enough for one series it would actually be funny to see a yasna relationship because we know how quickly she shut down no yasin doesn't need any relationships but a political relationship seems like it would be beneficial she could definitely do a political relationship i would not be surprised if she had some kind of arranged marriage yeah i could see that i can and i can't like i could definitely see yasna being like uh well i'm queen now so how about we're just you know political allies and let's just roll like that we don't Mm -hmm. need to be married yeah true I kind of hope that she stays single. She's just, she's owning that. She's great. Yeah. She's just like, I don't need any man or woman. I got this. Um, Speaking of Kaladin, another interesting thing that maybe we'll see more of is Kaladin's family. The last time we left them, he's got a little brother. A little baby. A little baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And definitely one of the most memorable early scenes from Oathbringer and Kaladin goes home. And I think that's a huge question of like, will Kaladin go home again? Will his family have to leave? Because Kolinar has fallen 
and you have mm. general mayhem going across much of western Alethkar. And so maybe his parents need to get out of there. He already tried to get them out, though. I know, but now they could be forced out, whereas before mm. it was like, you know, we can manage and now they can't. I don't know. I could see both nothing ever happening with Kaladin's family yeah. and that they continue to play a role in his life. What do you think, Angie? I kind of like the idea that he's going to go back and I think his dad might die. Mm. And that maybe that kind of brings him to swear the fourth ideal. Mm. Like his dad kind of sacrifices himself maybe and Kaladin's forced to kind of abandon him in order to save his sibling. Ooh. And that kind of brings about the fourth ideal. Interesting call. I like it. Or, you know, they might just kind of be one of those casualty of war you don't know what happened to them and he's yeah. forced to live with that kind of uncertainty mm, yeah. because he's already dealt very directly with his brother like dying in his arms type of thing or watching mm -hmm. his brother die um if you just kind of get that very different but still emotionally devastating just like they're dead now yeah i mean even you know nowadays we are doing so much connection with our family and loved ones via zoom and like via electronics and sometimes i think about the days when like we didn't have cell phones and you know your loved ones just walk out the door and you're like i legitimately have no idea when i'm gonna see you like i have no way to contact you once you are out of my sight like who knows what's going on and what a crazy world that is i used to call home to my family to come pick me up from like different sports parks and gyms and stuff as a little kid off of what are those called pay phones is yeah. that what they're yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay phones. they used to exist just around places like but then imagine like even before that you know whatever revolutionary war time okay well, like, now legitimately people just like fall off the face of the earth as far as your brain is concerned you know that's basically what this would be like his family he's just like no clue they just disappeared. I have no information and no way to, like, get in contact. Except for that occasional span read that comes out from, like, the city. Not even them personally. Just, like, a general message. Yeah. Crazy times. Crazy times in Rashar. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of little babies, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Elokar's son. Yeah, because we have purposefully saved him for some reason again I mean, from brandon's perspective. because he was no. an innocent child and obviously <laughs> we're going to save him not what i meant obviously <laughs> also like babies. crown prince and heir to the throne but no big deal but is he crown prince and heir to the throne anymore because yasna is theoretically starting a new line or could yeah, but this is why I don't think she's going to. I think she's going to be like Queen Elizabeth, just chaste, unmarried queen who is not going to have any children. And then it passes back yeah, to... Yeah, she's just going to like helm mm. the country for a while and be amazing. Queen and then regent, basically, at for... At some point, yeah. Elikar's son. Yeah. Man, well, we have a time gap. We think of something like 10 years after book five before book six. So you could see a very young Elikar, or excuse me, Elikar's son then grow up to be like at least a teenager um, by the time that we get into book six yeah, through 10. Exactly. And so that's like what you were saying, a very young child in the first book 
could become a player on the political scene yeah. in the second half. That's of the why series. I think like Dalinar has got to die because so, yeah, by. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad Boom. saying that. Just you gotta warn me before yeah, you exactly. say these things. <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> because, like you're just saying, we go through that time jump and then Kaladin, Adolin, Shallan, they're all gonna be grown ups, like real grown ups. I mean, yes, they are all what we would call grown-ups at this point. Well, they're, they're young like, adults. Yeah. I mean, young adults. <laughs> they're like younger teenagers. than we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are older than them. We would be yeah. old fogies. We are like Teft. Just <laughs> we are crippled not like by that. addiction. <laughs> that is rude. We're just old and washed up. That's all we are. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, just kidding. You two are like Yasnas of your own little kingdoms. And we won't speak about any more Teftness. The... <laughs> To me, most exciting thing that is at least a potential of Rhythm of War uh, is to see the possible crashing or potential crashing between the actual shards. Left, oh. we have Odium and Cultivation, and mm -hmm. Cultivation has been playing very low-key kind of background, definitely like manipulating things. We've talked about that a bunch. But I think Rhythm of War could see maybe a Cultivation come out of the corner just fresh, ready to go and throw some big sh time shard punches down mm. in the war. I feel like eventually cultivation has to get more directly involved. Eventually, but I don't think that time is now. Okay. Fair because enough. I think cultivation has sort of already chosen her champion, potentially. Oh, lift? Yeah, lift. With Nightblood? Yeah. No, not Nightblood. <laughs> <laughs> lift and then, like, also kind of Dalinar. Because a theory about Dalinar being quote unquote unity is that he has like pieces of all three shards or like a connection to all three shards in some way. Well, then maybe the big sacrifice would come from cultivation where Ooh. if like Odium is killed and Honor's already dead, then the only one who needs to die is cultivation in order for something new to arise. Oh, hmm. Okay. Yeah, so like maybe Dalinar doesn't die. Maybe Dalinar actually does ascend. And then he's, you know, doing kind of a harmony thing. Yeah. Where he's not the main story. But anymore. with whatever the amalgamation of honor, cultivation, and odium <laughs> is. I would love to hear people's like guesses for what that combo would be called. <laughs> Please, if you're listening to this, hit us up and tell us what honor, cultivation, odium mushed shard and would be don't be basic don't just say unity that's cheating yes you can't say unity <laughs> not want, allowed want some weird anagrams of all the letters floating and mixing <laughs> up together do that with your brains people angie why don't you talk to us about rock and the family that has now come down from the horn eater peaks you know with his seemingly really awesome wife uh, yeah. who just like yeah. rocked eight kids or something down the mountain and to tell him because like rock's so interesting he's got so many things going on he's actually like way more powerful than he lets on and uh what yeah. do you think is going to happen with he them? has like some kind of secret where he and his wife were kind of like S -s 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 -s. did you tell them no i didn't i'm pretending to be not a warrior or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah mostly i'm just kind of hoping that we get to see more of that and hopefully like 
by extension, maybe figure out what's going on at the Horn Eater Peaks because they kind of, yeah. you know, brought them in and I was like, sweet, finally, you're going to learn about like Rock's past and what actually, who are you though? Yeah. And who then, you are know, you? The world and then ended. like, what are you going to become? Because yeah. we have, we have our theories about what kind of Night Radiant Rock may become. I don't know if you've listened to those episodes yet, Angie, but what do you think about Rock's future as a night radiant that makes i haven't heard your episodes on that but i was totally like vibing that he's not going to be a wind runner that was also and i don't vibe. know i don't know what he would be so i mean hit me with your theories but i definitely think that he's already a night radiant oh. possibly i don't know i kind of get vibes that he's like None of this stuff seems to be catching him totally off guard. And he has good relations, or his people have good relationships with the Spren. So maybe yeah, like Night true. Radiant used to come from the Horn Eaters. And they were like, remember that well, close connection. No, the Horn Eaters can see the Spren because they're part Parshendi. But they would also be... Okay, so think about that. They're part Just Parshendi. dropping bombs on me here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and he's like, What? <laughs> Well, once you recover from that bomb, uh, that comes from a word of Brandon, just for the record. The idea would be that the people who would most represent an awesome bond with the Spren would also become Knights Radiant because the Spren would like them. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you consider their part Parshendi, Parshendi obviously have bonds with Spren, so... Maybe it's easier for Horn Eaters to become Knights Radiant because they have some like extra spren bonding power. Or you think do about have, Sorry, go ahead, Angie. Do they have like mini gem hearts? Mm, Ooh. That's a good question too. Mini gem hearts. I like that. Interesting. I kind of think about how we've seen in the Shin community, they control all of the honor blades, or at least a bunch of the honor blades, and they used to train people with the honor blades what if the horn eaters are kind of like that maybe they were you know secret keepers of one of the orders in the past maybe mm. like all of one order used to come out of the horn eater community and they've like kept some of those secrets and so he got like he has a little bit more knowledge than he's letting on because here's our theory angie rock is a stone ward or will become Ooh. one and that's how he manipulated the tension of the shard bow at the end of Oathbringer. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to like process that for a while, <laughs> but... <laughs> Take that away with you. Get back to me. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get like a 2 a.m. text from me screaming about that later. So just stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Another sort of random thing that was brought to my attention again during our reread, and now I can't let it go, is the Storm Striders. I need to know what they are. The Storm Striders are a very small thing. They're only mentioned twice in the first three books, and each time only with, like, a single sentence. Kaladin and Dalinar at different points remark upon seeing a like spindly glowing figure in the high storms like walking around in the high storm and the mystery is eating me up inside it is 
definitely one of those things that makes me realize how little we know because everything is getting filtered and delivered to us through a character's experiences. Which is always the way that Brandon Sanderson's books are, which is something that I love about them. But also something that we have to keep in mind that like we are not getting the unadulterated truth. We are only seeing through a very small lens of the characters. And they can be wrong. They often are wrong. In fact, like we is one of the big setups is that their characters are wrong and their interpretation of things is wrong. But because where some of the character, excuse me, some of the creatures that, you know, come out in the desolations are based on real things, but Mm -hmm. others are just kind of like manipulations or, you know, fairy tales for lack of a better word. I think that the Storm Striders could be a type of thing that was lost because maybe they, they don't exist. Well, no one ever sees them exactly. because no one ever goes Hanging out in the, in the high storms. Yeah. But what is it? Like, what is it? I need to know. It would seem like the Storm Father should know and could just tell <laughs> Dalinar very clearly, like, hey, you remember that time you saw the thing? Well, it's this because I control the storms. But I think that... The char- obviously we are having the same experience as the characters they have so many other things in their minds you know like Dalinar saw that once 20 plus years ago and he's probably completely forgotten about it because like odium and war and everything else my wife died minor details yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no I'm things. really worried about these storm striders <laughs> well I am I am. Brooke's the one who's just sitting there, just <laughs> out on the corner, just screaming. I am the, the storm edge dancer. I will home. remember. <laughs> I will remember to be worried about the storm striders. Bringing it back down to earth, though, Angie, just like Rock has his family, Shalon has her family plopped down right at the end, like on her wedding day. I definitely forgot about that storyline completely. And then they show up and I'm like, oh, Same. yeah, her brother. <laughs> Who are all, we've talked about this before, but they're all kind of equally broken in very bad ways. It's not great. Yeah, the family definitely has a lot of issues. Um, I don't know. I could see them becoming potential night radiants. You know, I mean, they're certainly broken enough. (laughs) You know, magic through trauma. So, (laughs) but I'm kind of hoping that they might branch into some of. If that is the path, you know, that they end up going down, I'm kind of hoping they branch into other orders rather than yeah. just kind of light weavers by proxy. Yeah. Light weavers by proxy. Great band name, though. <laughs> that was a pretty good band name. Okay, dibs. Uh, it could be cool now that her brothers are back if, like, her connection with them and, like, maybe collectively healing their shared past maybe that's like shallan's way forward is reconnecting with her family in a new less traumatizing way they're still in the middle of a war so still traumatizing but (laughs) maybe it's better (laughs) yeah i would love if she was able to heal herself or progress by healing her family and and helping out that family bond that would seem like a cool way to go that would also ground her Mm -hmm. in an important way so she's a little bit less you know floaty and kind of more centered 
Um, Because I think that's what she's missing right now. Yeah. She's gotten a little, as we said, she threw up all these balls to juggle. Disconnected. Yeah, and now she's flying with the balls. And she's like, we're all spinning around. And I think that something with her family has the potential to ground her back down to earth. Love it. Going into sort of a totally different kind of relationship, but uh, Shalash and Talenalot. I'm interested to see how their relationship gets developed, like what we get to see of it. Will they become, or I guess, well, yeah. Will both of them become less mad because they have each other now? Maybe? That seems like a potential, like they can, these are our heralds. They're supposed to be protecting us during the desolation and leading the Knights Radiant. I wonder if there is some potential for those two to act as like a beacon for the other heralds to kind of come back and um, start rebuilding themselves. Yeah, I'm interested because Shalash gets a point of view book in the back half of Stormlight Archive, at least from the current outlines. So... I'm assuming that at some point we're going to get more info about all of the heralds and like start seeing more of them, which we already have an Oathbringer, and that would just be super cool. Well, and yeah, Moash and the magic knife that at least killed one of the heralds for real and yeah. could potentially kill other heralds or they have other knives that killed other heralds. I'm like kind of wondering if by the very end of the Stormlight Archive, all of the heralds are dead except for Shalash, and that's why she gets to be... The very last one? Yeah, the oh. perspective. That would be heartbreaking. <sighs> that would be heartbreaking. I mean, her dad already died, and then Talenalot's probably going to die. Trigger warning. <laughs> Breaking me here. That, does, that only works if you say it <laughs> That's before. not how those work. <laughs> we'll just we'll fix that in post. We'll put it up top. <laughs> On the subject of Moash, though, uh, I've seen a lot of people talk uh, tossing around the idea of a redemption arc for him. What do you guys think about that? This is, in my opinion, a <laughs> dirty conspiracy theory that has taken hold of the internet in recent months with people being like, the next book is coming out. Maybe we like Moash now. And I'm just like, shut up, everybody. We have been on the fuck Moash train for a very long time and I'm not getting off. It is... In my opinion, a example of how 2020 has rotted everyone's brain. We are under too much stress from constant yeah, lockdowns. Everyone's just like bored. They're like, what else can I do with my brain? Oh, I'll just switch my opinion about Moash. Now I have something new to engage in. Moash was set, everyone. He was set. We are good on the Moash train. I May I remind you, he has a new like parshendi slash fused name he's not even moash anymore he's vire he who quiets you can't like that person that person is just a designed antagonist to continue maybe he becomes like odium's champion that's how far bad he could become yeah before a redemption arc brings moash back oh my god <laughs> make moash great again <laughs> No, I'm saying it will never happen, and oh my gosh. it is. I'm saying it's more likely he becomes Odium's champion than he has a redemption arc. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I like him as 
a <clears throat> foil for Kaladin. I like that he is sort of the um, shadow version of Kaladin where... Yeah, what uh, could happen. Yeah, I mean, he's not completely... Unsympathetic? Unsympathetic, exactly. You understand his reasoning and like the way he would feel, but that doesn't mean he's making good choices. 100%. Yeah, I think that's an oh. excellent summary of Moash. We you have strong have good opinions. justification and still make bad decisions. Yeah, Angie, wait. are you being swayed by the internet <laughs> no. conspiracy theory crazies? <laughs> I will be so not. disappointed in my cause of your baby. <laughs> no, mom. <laughs> I send you out into the world and you come home a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Well, I'll be making hats. Uh, Moash Make 2020. Moash. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not been swayed. Uh, I just saw that, you know, I've only been off the uh, Oathbringer binge for like three days now. So <laughs> I haven't had time to commit myself to new trains. <laughs> Still on the original good to hear. train. Good as... to hear. Yes. No, we're good. <laughs> Um, but on the the knife that he has is crazy and terrifying. And I think that, Tyler, you are totally on the right track of, like, either that knife is going to be used to absorb the souls of more heralds, or there's, like, one for each herald. Well, yeah, I have a theory that it's a hemallergic spike of some type. And, like, that's how heralds are made. Where oh. you like suck the power out and then you can plunge it into someone else. And Well, I don't think it's absorbing their power. I think it literally absorbed Yezrian's soul. Because mm, that's totally the maybe. only way that they can make sure he doesn't reincarnate. Re- yeah, reincarnate. Yeah. It's so, just to take his soul out of the system, basically. That just makes it very questionable because then this... His soul's like in a prison, like in a tiny yeah. little yeah, pocket universe. Yeah, he's a spren. He's now a spren trapped inside of a gemstone. Oh, that's actually a great oh. way of thinking about him as oh, spren man. now because they're more like cognitive wow. shadows. That's terrifying. It makes you feel really bad for all the spren that are in gemstones right now when you think about a yeah. human being put inside of a gemstone. Because that aspect's <laughs> definitely hugely important. We've been setting up the like, what is a spren? How does a spren and a gemstone work. Teravangian laid it out very clearly last book. Uh, it's definitely a form of torture that is going on with the spread. They like are attracted by a thing that they like, and then they capture them and torture them in order to get the reaction. That I don't they think they're being tortured. They're just being imprisoned, which is not great. I mean, that's kind You're forced of... to run on a treadmill. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, there they, you go. They're a hamster stuck in a wheel. That's their prison. Because that's how it powers whatever device it is. Not great. Yeah. (laughs) On another happy note, let's look at Renarin and Gliss, our most weird, well, I would say next to Venli, our most misunderstood radiant relationship. We have a lot of weird radiance out there because it's not like Lyft is a normal radiant. That's true. But. Yeah. Yeah. Renarin and Gliss are a big question mark of like, how exactly is this gonna work? Does is he have he actually a night radiant? Yeah, what is he? Is he a spren that's corrupted by odium, and that means that he's a void binder, or is he still a night radiant? 
It's very I don't think he's I think I don't think he's either one. He's something else. He's another halfy. Yeah. Because he has some of the um, truth watcher powers, but I don't think they're going to operate in the same way that a regular truth watcher's powers would. And so this is kind of what I was talking about earlier is like another truth watcher going to show up and be like, yo, Renarin is a fake truth watcher. Like he's <laughs> describing psychotic episodes. I can see the future totally clearly. Just do this and this and this and this. And then how are people going to react to something like that? A different power source, especially one who says they can see the future. Or maybe it's like he does have normal future sight but odium because the spren is corrupted odium can like change what renarin sees where like normally he would have pure yeah future sight but now it's like could be true could be not true who knows like we saw at the end of oathbringer when he was like hey this can be wrong because odium's actually just showing me like what i need to see to give up basically like oh my dad's gonna give up and then my cousin is gonna kill me Throw up my hands. I'm dead. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Angie, did you think that relationship with Renarin and Gliss and kind of the mystery around Renarin and Gliss was well done at the end of Oathbringer? I still have so many questions with them. Like, I felt like, oh, okay, he's got a corrupted sprint. Surely this means that either he's evil mm. or Gliss is evil and, like, we're a done deal. But gliss still kind of seems to want to like be good genuinely help yeah yeah exactly gliss is like i don't know what's going wrong like i'm trying to help you renarin but like i'm confused Mm -hmm. and you know seems good seems good doesn't seem actively bad i refuse to believe that renarin will be bad i love renarin I break my heart. Some sort of crazy twist of events and Renarin becomes Odian's champion. No. That would be the worst. Just a champion you can never kill. Yeah, true. Well, Renarin is supposed to have a point of view book in the back half also. So he has to at least survive that long. You never know. There's always crazy. change. Rhythm of War was supposed to be Ash and I, but. Yeah, now it's like flashbacks and Venli and. Venli, yeah. We'll see. So close, so close to being done with the Cosmere drought. Angie, were there any other things that you wanted to talk about or that you thought of while we were talking that you wanted to throw in? Uh, do you guys have any just, you know, completely out there theories? You know, you've got yes. no evidence. You're just like, this is going to be a thing. So many theories that fit that that we can't talk about because like we at least have to pretend that we're trying here. Yeah. And Some of them oh. are too crazy. <laughs> Fair but enough. We frequently just like over dinner and a glass of wine are like, what if something completely crazy, blah, blah, blah. And just like go, go all the way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so I will give you. One mildly intoxicated theory that I have thrown out some evidence for before. So it's not the most crazy, but I do believe that very, very small organisms, microorganisms, (laughs) are the most important aspect of investiture moving through the Cosmere. (laughs) 
microorganisms. He's obsessed with microorganisms. Because Brandon is obsessed with microorganisms. And so I'm just following that trend. No, he's not. He's totally normal. And I'm the crazy one. However, I think that that will just continually be in the background and become more and more important over time. That's my (laughs) wildest theory. My favorite pet theory is that the technology betrayal sort of thing that happens in Six of the Dusk from the ones above is a parallel to Rashar and the shard plate and shard blade being left behind so conveniently just to help you out. And then it's actually going to be like evil in some way. Ooh. Yeah. What about you, Angie? Do you have any crazy theories? Well, I don't have any, you know, Cosmere level theories like you guys are <laughs> rocking. No, I'm just holding out for uh, Navani getting pregnant. <gasps> that would be so cute. I would be really excited for that. I really thought it was going to happen in Oathbringer, but it didn't. But you you just know they're not being careful. They're in the middle of a war. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. There is and I can no 100% <laughs> see, you know, being like, all of this stuff is going down and Navani's like, whoops, we're going to have a baby. And now you've got another contender for the throne. Mm. And I'm sure she'll, you know, give birth in the middle of a battle because that's just how yeah. things go in, in novels like this. Yeah. I'm also interested to call. see if Shalon has a baby because Ooh, you know, she's the most. She's a, yeah, she's yeah. a newlywed. Mm-hmm. That would be... Maybe that's the thing that finally, like, inspires her to get her shit together. She's Aww. like, I'm going to be a mom. Maybe I should, like, figure out this life of mine. <laughs> Another uh, personality that she oh, could throw on. I hope not. Oh, that poor child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Snapping back and forth between all the different Terrifying. characters. <laughs> I'm hoping to see a lot more of Navani in this next book, though, because Navani's amazing. That'd be cool. I'd definitely be down for that. Well, we are very close to Rhythm of War coming out. and The this, excitement is building. Yeah, it's, well, it's pretty much at the peak. I'm very excited. <laughs> there may be some other things going on in November that I'm not necessarily excited for, but want to be over. Yeah, once that's over, then we can just channel all of our energy into rhythm of war and i think we'll be aided because the rest of the world will also want to be channeling its energy into rhythm of war agree angie thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your cool cosmere thoughts and having this conversation always great to have another cosmere conversation partner well thank you guys for you know adopting me bringing me into this little cosmere world and you know being my parents (laughs) You've raised me well. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like I have done nothing, but it shows. Typical dad. A great Cosmere, fully functional adult at this point. So I'm just at the stage. I got to skip the stage of like raising the child. And instead, (laughs) I'm just at the point where like we're friends. I just be like, just Donkey Doug and Jason over here. Like we're just having a great time. That's a drop for those who will get it. It's wonderful. Until next time. Life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination.